Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the American Horror Story podcast. We're the officially unofficial podcast for American Horror Story on FX. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Cecily. Welcome back, everybody. This is uh, the uh, first podcast for season nine, the 1984 season, episode one, Camp Redwood. Uh, what, what, what did you think? Not only are we back and the show is back, but guess what else is back? All the theories. <laughs> I've got I haven't so seen a lot many of them. just I'm... on this. There's so many because there's, it's classic 80s horror movies have so much uh, to just mine from. Sure. And it seems like they're doing that in ways that I'm sure nobody's even noticed yet. Mm-hmm. So there's just all kinds of theories all over the place. I want to, if with your permission, and if you have anything just drop a place at the very end of the podcast to talk about theories because i know some people may not want to hear that's fine spoilers if they consider it spoilers yeah not really we don't really know anything right um but i like this episode a lot Uh uh-huh i had a lot of fun these actors are having a lot of fun and uh it was just it was fun funny to watch yeah i'm i'm somewhat handicapped in that i don't i'm not very familiar with the 1980s horror scene like i you know didn't didn't see the nightmare on elm streets i didn't see the halloweens i haven't seen the friday the 13th i mean i feel like i'm familiar with the tropes just because it was such a big part of the culture at the time but it'll be interesting to see because if i get a reference to uh 80s scary movie then it's like it's got to be pretty fucking broad Mm -hmm. but what i did notice is uh the nick cage movie mandy I felt like there's a lot of influence of that on this film and just like the aesthetic. Um, mm-hmm. Now, one thing in Mandy is it gets really crazy and trippy and like drug fueled mayhem towards the end. And I feel like there's maybe a potential with that with uh, Ray's uh, pharmacy that he's bringing out to the to the lake. Um, but uh, that's that's the I, I started to notice that just in the color palette and how mm-hmm. vivid everything was. Um, I thought the, I thought the episode was gorgeous and it's a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, like everyone that's in this like main group of six, it looks like they're just having a time of their lives. And, you know, it's, it, I guess the only one criticism is like, I haven't found anyone that I really care about, but that's, isn't oh. that disposable 1980s teenage horror, uh, stock i don't people. think so really I, thought, I like all of these characters i mean but yeah like but do you like not in the way that you like care if they live or die like if if montana gets ran over by a truck in the next episode it's not gonna be oh my god how wrenching she's got a daughter no you i know? think it's like, the, i think it's the <laughs> i think it's sort of the dna of these 80s slasher flicks that you expect everyone's gonna die. Right. That's that's what my point was. That I'm but saying you care that, like, about all of them, but you expect them all to die. Uh, okay. Then because I, I mean, when you say care whether they live or die, you're you're saying that maybe they should have some sort of character personality traits that make you really identify with them and see yourself in mm-hmm. them in that way. But it's all supposed to be campy, right. for lack of a better but, word. But, but that's the other thing is like I don't expect this season to be very scary at all. Which is kind of a bummer because that's one of the things I enjoy about American Horror Story is when it can generate some real creeps. Like this is just going to be straight up slasher, and to the extent that you don't care about the people being slashed, uh, that that I don't I don't I don't expect a lot of tension, but I do expect it to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So this episode delivers on that. I think there's a couple hilarious uh, point. I just I just love like uh, uh, who's the guy from Glee? 
Matthew Morrison. Everything about him from the time he steps onto the screen uh, was just a hoot, and uh, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing. It was nice to see. Um, uh, it was nice to see uh, John Carroll Lynch, yes, Twisty the Clown, back <laughs> for another like menacing, hulking, uh, uh, violent creature. I. Mm-hmm. I, I'm always tickled to see him because I always think, you know, my first exposure to him is a very gentle man in Fargo. And I consider him like playing against type as every one of it. Except for Twisty was actually that guy, too. Well, originally. Yeah. So, yeah, looks like it has the makings of a very fun season. Shall we get into the episode? I think that's a great idea. So we have a cold open where the 1980s slasher font uh, tip, uh, just just momentarily slums in 1970s to let us know that it's 1970. And we are seeing a summer camp threesome that gets interrupted by a giant knife and, mm-hmm. and wielded by a character who will uh, come to appreciate as Mr. Jingles because he's got a big keychain that uh, he keeps around and it jingle jangles as he walks. For someone whose defining trait is making noise, he sure killed all of those people silently to the very end. Well, I, th- I feel like... But he's that- getting a lot of two first stabs, you know, two for one. He's really, <laughs> right. really good at that. I just feel like every one of these kids had a six-pack of beer and probably some barbiturates mm-hmm. uh, in, in them, so like maybe that helped <laughs> this the sound slumber. Um, yeah. But he did, yeah. Like There was a couple gnarly kills, like that double head kill where he shoved... Shoved a knife through both of the kid the kids' faces, uh, uh, kissing, and then there's the gruesome through the the eye kill, and he mm-hmm. just leaves the body awash, or leaves the cabin rather awash in a sea of bodies. Uh, but just as he walks out of frame, you can hear some faint moaning, implying that someone someone lived, someone survived. So during as soon as the scene started, the girl who was kind of hesitant to get into the threesome, right. the last one to die, I guess, she her hair looks exactly like. Margaret Booth, the camp counselors, mm-hmm. and I thought that it was gonna be her that survived, and then she died. Yeah, and then she survived later. Yeah, and then you find when in the flashback, it was recognizably the Margaret character. Yeah, you know, <laughs> dressed up as a teenager. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe I should save this for later. I'll save it for later. The thing when is, she talks like about when, her story. You, you, you hit me with that like halfway through the episode. I'm like, but she got stabbed in the eye. How is that possible? And it, it would have been because it seemed like it was consistent with her character, though. Right. You know, like that she was the brook of her day. And now she's like a born again Christian. Well, we don't know who she was. We just know that she survived. We don't true. know anything about her except true. that she survived. True. Uh, we don't even know if that's true. I'm taking on all the theories. Ghosts? Ghost Margaret? No, not a ghost. Okay. Did it? Is her story true? Ah. That's what you got to ask yourself. Thoughts on the vaporwave intro? Amazing. I keep waiting for the vaporwave phase to like crest and recede, but and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I yeah, I thought it was great. I love the grainy VHS uh, effect. I love the Jane Fonda, you know, splat, uh, sprinkled in with the slashing and the blood and the knives and the sink. Um, it is by far the least scary and creepy intro. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, like even if you had a standard American Horror Story intro, if you put the synth wave version of the ahs sound uh uh, intro theme over it it's Mm -hmm. not going to be scary uh also i'd love to see this cut with the actual ahs uh stuff to see if it makes it creepy it is the same music no they do that synth they do the same song every year they just give it uh 
slants that is right. of the... Okay. But you're certainly not going to argue that this version You're of talking the, about the coven entrance that's the... No, got the, they I guess all, they all do. Uh, they all have that kind of creaky, cracky, uh, you know, creepy music. And this mm-hmm. is just like, you know, a theme to a 80s... Uh, drama mm-hmm. and it's a very like synth and it's a very sorry soaring synth and it's just not scary like again i think that's going to be a theme for this this year it's just not scary yeah uh we then go to an aerobics class and we're introduced to all the main characters with big splash font over a freeze frame over all their faces xavier played by cody fern uh, who re- uh, was the Antichrist last season, you'll recall, is the leader of the group. He's leader, certainly, of the Jazzercise group. Uh, Montana, which is Billy Lord doing the most. They're all doing the most here. They really are. and she Except sure, for Brooke. She, she needs no introduction to AHS fans at this point. And, and all of these all these characters are pretty much conformed to like the Cabin in the Woods archetype. you got Xavier's the leader, Montana's the slut, Ray, played by Deron Horton, who I enjoyed in Dear White People and Season 2 of American Vandal, is like the party guy hookup. He's got the... He's, he's supplying the drugs. Uh, Chet, played by Gus Kenworthy, actual Olympic athlete Gus Kenworthy, uh, plays the meathead who failed out of the 1984 Olympics by not passing... By, by pissing a pharmacy. <laughs> and then Brooke, uh, played by Emma Roberts, is the good girl, mm-hmm. which if convention plays out, she will be the sole survivor of right. the season. The final girl. Yes. yes. She's also a veterinary assistant, and mm-hmm. Ray is a medical orderly. Mm. So maybe that'll have some... Those, I don't those know. medical it skills will it's like it's, is it walk going to be walking dead rules like they're going to be I say camp that doctor? but yeah I say that but it has had no effect on anything so far mm-hmm. they couldn't and, help the guy in the van right and they actually have a real qualified nurse mm-hmm. that seems like she, she's pretty badass that will be introduced here in a bit um Montana introduces herself to the new girl Brooke in the shower room and she says that she wants to be the greatest aerobics competitor of all time <laughs> Very, very forward. So they're meeting for the first time in the shower? Yes. You know what bothers me about this scene? What? And this is, uh, I think that a lot of women will relate to this. Okay. There's a girl code. You leave a, you leave a stall space in between you and another person that's in there. There's like 20 stalls. Oh, for sure. They're right next to each other. For sure. Um, I just think that like... You, it's not about shame or anything. It's just, it's personal space. It, it, but she's forward. She's she's essentially the entire scene saying, I Liz. don't follow the girl. <laughs> I'm I'm different from other girls. I don't follow the girl code. I guess, you know, we don't see how it started. I guess Brooke could have been in there first and oh. she came and chose the stall right also, next to her. Also, she says, she says, I'm not a les, but then she says it in a way that she implies, but... But I, I could think, be, you know. Right, because when they get in the van in a moment... She comforts Madison. Or I keep wanting to call her Madison. Mm. She comforts Brooke by putting her hand on her knee, and and the camera kind of lingers there, and Brooke mm. makes a face as if maybe she's not a les, maybe she's a little bi. No, I, no, I, that's what I'm saying. I think Montana. <laughs> so it's not is a like, lie to say I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then there's a talk of the Night Stalker murders that are going on right now. Uh, Xavier identi- identifies himself as a serious actor. I really love his Billy Idol upside down cross earring that he's rocking because it's like, you know, calls, it's, an, it's, it's also 80s as fuck and it's a great callback to his Antichrist role. Yep. Um, the 1984 Olympics is about to descend upon the city of LA and they all want to get out and uh, 
Xavier offers them all jobs at this at this camp that he's going to be counseling for in the summer, which is a perfect opportunity to get the fuck out. Um, later that night, Brooke is at home putting away her jewelry Wait, after her. I'm sorry. I just, something just occurred to me. Okay. They're leaving the next day mm-hmm. to go to camp. Yes. If he had an if he had not have invited all of his friends and if they had not agreed, would there be one camp counselor there? I think <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Just a thought. <laughs> um so Brooke's at home putting away her jewelry after a long day of aerobicizing and she looks longingly at a single solitaire diamond engagement ring mm. uh before putting away in her jewelry box, which that's that that that's interesting. I wonder if she uh is if, if yeah what is that could is, it be her mother's or a family member or a friend who's died did, or did a boy was she propose engaged to her? Once? yeah exactly i don't know there's some backstory there i bet we'll have a flashback in an episode to come to explain all that significance uh but suddenly the night stalker breaks into her house and attacks and wants her jewelry um, and is disappointed at the one diamond ring he gets and makes her swear on Satan that there's no more. Um, and looks like he's probably going to kill her, but a neighbor hears the commotion and bangs on the door and says that the cops are being called. So nice. Brooke is saved. Uh, this is very, I mean, this is ripped from the headlines, Richard Ramirez stuff. Yeah, I don't know. So you're the true crime expert. I know the only thing I know about Richard Ramirez is that he uh, made an memorable two appearances in the hotel season of American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. Uh, did was he like uh, a common thief? Because uh, that's kind of uncommon for serial killers to like rob the place, isn't it? That's not like a standard mo. I I don't think so. I don't. He's one of those people that is just straight up insane for the sake of being insane. I don't really know what... As opposed to your Gacy's, your, your... I mean, those people, you have something you can point to. They're like, I kill women because I want to wear their skin. I have this compulsion. This guy just decided he wanted to... Just want to he wanted to be... He wanted to follow Satan. It wasn't even any specific kind of religious mm. teaching. He just felt like Satan spoke to him. Mm. And that's why he always made he always made these women swear to Satan after he did what he did. But what over the how, summer so, uh, from so 1980- how many women got away from him too? Cuz you you mentioned that like it's like a like oh yeah, all the women said swear to Satan. Like how many women got away from him without dying? I'm not sure. But enough. I think this is a lot of like because he was arrested, of course, and died uh-huh. in jail. I think some of these stories are just what he told. Oh. There's a couple women who did survive, so okay. it kind of adds okay. up. I gotcha. But what he did over this in San Francisco from 1984 to 1985 is he would come into people's windows or doors that were left open, mm-hmm. and he would rape and kill and rob women. Damn. Yeah. Pretty uh- sick stuff. Here are the weekly highlights coming up this week on Bald Move. Apple TV is releasing a new series based on Blake Crouch's novel, Dark Matter. Aaron and I are big fans of his work, so we're picking up the new show on day one. Join us this Wednesday for the preview podcast. The Shogun Limited series might be over, but that doesn't mean our Shogun coverage has to end. We've got the wrap-up podcast releasing this Tuesday, where we'll consider all your feedback and final thoughts on the series. And because we like the show so much, we decided to go all the way back to 1980 to cover the first TV adaptation of the novel. Do what you can to find a copy and join us this Thursday for the first of our four-part podcast on the 1980 Shogun miniseries. And finally, the latest first-run movie, The Fall Guy, features Emily Blunt and Ryan Gosling. 
He's a stuntman tasked with finding the star of his ex-girlfriend's movie when he suddenly goes missing. Is it a rom-com? Yes. Does that mean I'll automatically hate it? Not if the trailer lives up to its promise. Join us for the podcast on Bald Move Pulp this Thursday night. You can find these and many other great podcasts by searching for Bald Move Pulp or Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app. Obviously, Brooke is freaking out the next day, but has decided to take up Xavier on his offer, uh, despite her busy schedule at uh, veterinary nursing school, uh, to hide out at the camp with him and get paid for it because the cops are investigating, but they haven't found anything, and she's terrified. Uh, Chet gets triggered by uh, Ray's joke about random drug tests because apparently he was .001% of something in his blood away from being in the Olympics, but... Montana's opinion is that he pissed a pharmacy. So I'm Chet maintains his innocence. I'm not sure if they're implying because there's there's a lot of implications that he abused steroids. That it wasn't just like coke or marijuana in his blood. Mm-hmm. That you know he's got this perfect sculpted body. Uh, he's prone to outbursts of probably inappropriate anger, uh, and his friends are just highly skeptical of of uh, him him being clean. So that's yeah. something to to keep your eye on uh ray offers coke and weed to everyone and everyone accepts except for brooke who demurs mm-hmm. uh i love that xavier's custom van is called the fantasy <laughs> yeah it's so good <laughs> and they pull into the service station uh manned by patrick swayze's kid brother yeah xavier takes this opportunity to check his answering machine remotely because they don't have phones at the 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 camp camp redwood yeah i can't remember exactly who said the phone lines were cut but i think it's a i think it's here that he says that you know the camp redwood phone lines don't work maybe they're not set up yet but Mm. brooke says they're cut later yeah so he makes the phone call here and now which Uh, is which i thought was going to be ominous that if something did happen at the camp the Uh nearest phone is so far away yeah it's it's the actual message is like this this deep kind of raspy voice saying uh you you thought you could take your dick out of la i know where your dick's at i'm coming for your dick your dick your dick (laughs) and he's like oh that's weird and hang like xavier is his effect is not changed by any of this information like he gets messages like that all the yeah, time. Yeah, that's yeah, it's that's just, just that's just the guy who's hot for him in, in aerobics class. Yeah, that's the kind of person that leaves a trail of broken hearts, I'm sure of it. <laughs> uh, maybe a trail of severed dicks. Uh Patrick Swayze's brother opines that if they go to Redwood Summer Camp, they'll all die. Like mm-hmm. everyone everyone except for the camp chef, uh or the camp cook hates this place, as we'll find out. So uh, uh Camp Redwood uh-huh. is was previously used in a movie from 1983 called Mm. the final terror Mm. it's a horror movie that's set or it takes place at a summer camp Mm. like a lot of these are um i thought that uh, on the way to the camp after they get out of the swayze brothers uh auto repair center they i know what you did last summer some hippie looking hyper uh, hyper hyper hiker guy (laughs) He was hyper, but then he got hit by a van, mm-hmm. and now he's unconscious. Uh, he actually seems pretty okay for being plowed into by this giant custom van, uh, and he has pre-existing scratches and cuts on him. So Xavier quickly has the idea of like, oh, well, he was kind of fucked up and by the road, and we'll just uh, take him, and yeah, there'll be there'll be somebody at camp that can take care of him. 
and everyone kind of rolls with that. Just hope he doesn't remember. Yeah. Uh, there's actually a really gorgeous, almost Kubrickian establishing shot of Camp Redwood and the, like the lake and the property is a kind of like drone or crane shots over the woods and mm-hmm. you see everything. I thought that was really cool. Um, you kind of get the lay of the land and we quickly meet Margaret Booth, the born again Christian owner of this camp. Um, but before we get too much into her story, we have a hyper hiker that needs medical attention. So we then meet the camp nurse, uh, played by Angelica Ross. Yes. From this Ryan Murphy's other joint pose. Nurse Rita. Nurse, nurse Candy. Candy Rita. <laughs> Candy Rita. <laughs> sounds oh, like, that uh, sounds like a tasty drink. Yeah. It sounds like what a new malt beverage from, uh, Budweiser. I'm going to make one of those next week. We'll have, can- we'll have Candy Ritas for the podcast. <laughs> She 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 name drops a Hawthorne Hospital that she normally works at. Yes, and that shares a name with something else. Yeah, Hawthorne School for Gifted. Yeah, is it that was the the male witch school from Apocalypse last year? Yeah, it was called the Hawthorne School for Exceptional Young Men. Yes, and uh, I'm wondering if the Hawthorne Hospital turns into this school later. Mm, be very know. very interested to see if that that might just be a fun name drop Easter egg or. We could get some witches and warlocks, which I I didn't feel. I felt like, honestly, we got deprived of a whole other season, a whole other part two of the apocalypse season. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I could get I, I could get down to some witchy stuff going on this year. Yeah. Uh, we then meet Chef Birdie. Uh, Xavier hilariously calls dibs on her, and she's like, "Honey, you don't know. You wouldn't know what to do with it if you got it. Now, help us, lady. Help a lady fill up her pantry. That's so fucking hot. So fucking hot." Uh, and she's the first person that seems genuinely enthused mm-hmm. that Redwood is reopening. What do you make of I mean, She seems enthused? Yeah, no, she's excited. She says, I had so many good memories, and oh. as soon as I found out it's going to open, that I was the first to volunteer, and she seems like super, super ready for this the, to go back to being a happy memory place. Yeah, they don't say it in the episode, but her last name is actually uh, Red Herring. <laughs> <laughs> this is Chef Birdie Red Herring. Yeah. She is here to make you think that she's involved in some way, but she's really not. She's mm. just, uh, someone's got to have great memories. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to say it's like, you know, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of like, did has anyone definitively been killed yet? Because like, man, season, episode two is going to be a bummer, but like the hiker, hiker guy. seems super dead. He's super dead, but like no one knows about it except for Emma Roberts, mm-hmm. except for Brooke. But uh, we'll see how that goes. So they, uh, Margaret then explains that she has very strict ideas on how the camp counselors should comport themselves. Um, mm. There's going to be no co-ed shacking up. There's going to be no drugs, no smoking, no drinking. She is tired of the world and its buttocks revealing underwear, its pornography, mm. and its Van Halen. Those are. She's a friend of Charles Keating, which uh, led the, the uh, campaign against Larry Flint in our own home city of cincinnati mm. tell the listeners who those people are and what that means i don't know who charles keating is i know uh you know larry flynn is a is an infamous man around cincinnati he's a uh cincinnati is a a town to this day that does not allow pornography sold within its city limits i think that's still true yet he was one of the largest pornographies in the world uh it, it, was he hustler or penthouse i think he was hustler um, he published Hustler out of uh, Cincinnati. I don't know who Charles Keating is. I'm sh- I'm assuming it's uh, the the People versus Larry Flint that he was involved in that business. Who says he's a r- athlete, lawyer, real estate developer, banker, Triple financier, thre- whoa, and whoa, activist? Whoa, whoa, quit! Whoa. 
Six Tipple Threat. Best known for his role in the savings and loan scandal of the late 80s. Ah. And he was a champion swimmer for the University of Cincinnati. Hmm. Nothing about Larry Flint? No. He's best known for a savings and loan scandal? Uh, it just says for his role in it. Huh. I don't know if that means he was bad or he was good. Yeah. But whatever. This is in the Charles Keating podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe if, if it's important, I'm sure Ryan Murphy will provide us a flashback. <laughs> He's got to be a good person if she considers him a dear friend. A dear friend. Um, uh, so but you wait- know what? She, her, she doesn't have to be cr- ultra-religious, but she I think those are very... No, I think those are just very fair rules. It's a camp. It's a oh, summer camp sure. for kids. Sure, sure, sure. Maybe, you know, you shouldn't be doing drugs anytime you work. Sure. Except when you podcast. Yeah. And... <laughs> I defy you to get through a camp counselor's session of summer and snot nosed children without any drugs or alcohol. No, I absolutely though. would. I mean, the rules are there for a reason. To be broken. So that it'll encourage you to be discreet about it. Mm-hmm. There I think you go. That's, I think that's what rules are yeah, for. Yeah. Just, 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 just to curb it a little bit. She's also wealthy from her husband's fortune. She's a young widow. And I wrote in my notes, hmm. She made a face when she said, "My husband Walter's untimely death." Yeah, hmm. some 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 fishy fishy shit going on there. So at the first night of No Kids Campfire, Nurse Rita joins them to tell them the story of Mister Jingles, who was one Benjamin Richter, a Vietnam vet who had many many kills to his name. Highest Enjoyed kill it. rate. Highest kill rate. Uh, kept a string of ears as a necklace around his neck. Um, you know that's a that's a that's that's a, that's a thing. Uh, I think there's a string of ears in this office right there now. There is actually <laughs> back. In, I think it was season two, of The Walking Dead. Yes, The Walking Dead, with Walking the, Dead. starring Christopher Walken. Uh, <laughs> Daryl was keeping a string of zombie ears, and yes. someone sent me a soap on a rope version of that, and it's hanging up here in the office. Anyway, um, uh, so Margaret shows up to scold them all for drinking, question their choice of clove cigarettes, and reveal that not only is Mister Jingles real, but she was that sole survivor of the cabin massacre of 1970. And she does it by revealing the fact that she has a missing ear. Turns out she was in that cabin. She was stabbed. She was dying. And Jesus saved her with his light. Jesus, take the ear. Which is actually shown on the show to be a 60-watt Sylvanian light bulb. (laughs) So... So there's some theology for you. Uh-huh. Uh, she followed bald move rule number two in surviving a massacre flawlessly. She mm-hmm. pretended to be dead so hard that when the guy cut his ear off, she didn't even flinch. Yes. Bravo. And it paid off. Yeah. Rule number two will save your life. If you're in, ever in a massacre, bloody massacre, and you manage to survive, and the bad guys are still walking, just lay there and play dead. Lay there and play dead. If the bad guys are still Christopher Walken, just yeah. play dead. You got you to gotta play dead. That's There's how you a, survive. There is another Richard Ramirez Night Stalker reference here. No I way. I think, maybe. So one of his victims was, he strangled her with like a telephone wire so hard that sparks flew out. What the fuck? And then once he was done, she woke up and started breathing. And hmm. he left, and he didn't like complete the kill because he assumed that Jesus had intervened at that moment, and he left her. Mm. I just imagine him sliding out the door, uh, Satan, Satan, Satan. You know? <laughs> Satan, Satan. <laughs> uh, so uh, meanwhile in the affirm... Oh, so that's... The- so she reveals that uh, this Mr. Jingles was found guilty and put away... Um, but she was always haunted by the memory of him, which is why she bought the camp, because she wants to redeem it from those dark times. 
Meanwhile, in the refirmary, the hiker awakens and reveals that he too was the victim of an ear hunter. Uh, and it looked like it's a fresh, fresh ear, fresh ear hunter hunt. Like, like it's a, it's an open wound. It's not a, it's not yeah. a nicely sealed one. Like yeah, the it's Margaret's. still kind of bloody or something. That's, yeah. Nurse Rita didn't even look and see. Right. <laughs> she's a hell of a, a hell of an ER. Cause the thing is he's got injuries all over his body. She's just like, ah, you know, he got knocked about this. this, this, this yeah, but that, there's so much more blood there than anywhere else. Right. I mean, didn't even give him a proper cleaning. No. Uh, so this can't be Mr. Jingles timeline question. Yeah, yeah, it can't be right. No, because he doesn't. I mean, unless we're going to get some flashback kind of time card in the next episode. Maybe there's a there's a 1984 uh, slash five Back to the Future reference, and Mr. Jingles is actually capable of time traveling in a shitty work truck. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, there's a flux <laughs> capacitor in that baby. Once he gets it up to 88, watch out. All theories. We're taking all theories. Watch out. He can he can he can go back a day in time and and fresh hunt him up some some hyper 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 hiker ear. <laughs> Uh, Brooke checks in on the hiker who freaks the fuck out when he realizes that he's there at Camp Redwood. He starts screaming for everyone to get out, that something terrible is to happen. Uh, then some, she goes back to the, uh, their, their shared dorm cabin and reveals this information. And just then some heavy thudding steps approach the camp. But it's not Mr. Jangles. It's the majestic Trevor. The majestic. And his enormous baby elephant-sized cock. <laughs> That's probably it... what the, was the thudding noise, honestly. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It caused a whole Jane Fonda video reshoot. <laughs> it did. It did. Uh, he busts her balls a little bit about Margaret's restrictive rules before revealing he's joking. And he has, says that he has a bet with himself that he's going to bang her before the end of the summer. Which Xavier, or no, Chet's like, you got a bet with yourself? He's like, oh, yeah. yeah. Which best line in the episode? Of course he does. Of course he does. Who else would he bet with? He's, right. He only bets with equals. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he says that he is in the threes company credits at the very end, uh, behind the stars as they're kind of like uh, bicycling down the boardwalk. You looked up this credit sequence. Yes, you fact checked his ass. We watched it together, and in the very opening, there's a boardwalk that's the camera's kind of zooming in on with lots of people. Mm-hmm. But at the very end of the credit sequence, when they're riding their bikes, there's nobody there. There's not a single soul. I wonder if when he says, I'm in the background, he literally means his condo's in the background and he's like standing in the window. Maybe he's in the ocean or something. Yeah, like you, you, like on a standard definition television, you'd never, ever, ever be able to see him. But that's still good enough for him. His legit claim to fame is that he was a co-star in a Jane Fonda workout video but they had to sh- reshoot it and take him out because he kept drawing the camera away from Miss Fonda. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was not the co-star. And uh, Montana reveals that she has gotten her, ha- her hands on a bootleg copy of this uh, aerobics video and uh, likes to pleasure herself to it. It's the first thing she ever pleasured herself to. Again, Billy Lord is having an enormous amount of fun in this role. Yes. And I love it. Yes. I've, her and Matthew Morrison. This is going to be a great team up. Um, I love the because they don't explain how this happens, but Montana and Trevor just go skinny dipping, like just dip out on everybody, go in the lake. Uh, that was gonna be my question for you: Is this the longest fucking day? This is the longest fucking night in yes. the entire history of nights. Yeah, between midnight and four o'clock in the morning, there was three full days. There, there's a fireside chat. They're watching TV for hours. Yeah. They have a swim. Yeah. They watch TV again. They uh-huh. all go have an infirmary invention. They yep. go back to watching TV again mm-hmm. all night. And this, and we started off with the like campfire cookout thing. Yeah. 
Uh, so they go skinny dipping. Uh, Trevor goes below the surface to go below her surface. And Montana gets freaked out when she sees a truck or a van parked across the lake, turning on their headlights, spying on them. Uh, I'm freaked out that people still think or portray in movies that water sex works. <laughs> Especially water oral sex. Yeah. Like, well, so like, okay. The thigh squeezing your head was the problem. Right. So I don't know how long you can hold your breath. Maybe a minute, maybe two minutes. Like, what are we doing down here? Yeah. Come on. And and, and water, se- water sex in a fucking lake? Yeah. It's not even like, it's not even like yeah. the ocean or some kind of like flowing stream. It's a stagnant puddle of water you're fucking in. Mm-hmm. Not, not, I, I wouldn't think that would be good for the lady chamber. No. I'm not a OBGYN. But it just stands a reason. Mm-hmm. There's amoebas. There's water bears. There's tardigrades. Water bears? There's hydras. <laughs> there are all kinds of bacteria and, and, and giggly goos in there. Maybe this is going to turn into one of those horror movies. Not to mention like, all, all, the cre- all the stuff that's inside Trevor himself. Like cabin so, fever. Could yeah. be turning into cabin fever. Uh, she, uh, so he, she squeezes his head and which causes him to resurface. And, you know, she, for whatever reason is embarrassed to say she was scared by the guy creeping on him. So she makes a, uh, a joke about the storm coming and him having that lightning rod and they get out of the water. Meanwhile, at some unnamed mental institution, the inmates are running wild as the asylum administrator, I think, uh, pulls up and speaks to the head of security, which you might recognize as Mulder and Scully's boss from the Mm -hmm. X-Files. Mr. Jingles has escaped by faking his suicide by hanging, which we did not get 30 minutes into the first episode before the first unnecessary flashback. (laughs) Like... Three well, hours earlier? Are you kidding me? Why the fuck? What what possible reason is there to do it this way rather than cutting this into the action to build tension? Like you see, you introduced to Margaret and her reopening the camp, and then you could cut to Mister Jangles like seeing this in the newspaper and circling in red, and you could go back to doing the kids fucking around, and you could do Mister Jangles hanging himself, and then like wh- why can't we tell a linear story in this fucking show again? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Uh, the- so you don't look too closely at the timeline. The night goes on forever. I still think it's... That's I probably right. Brooke going with them the next day? What mm-hmm. time did they leave? How far away is the camp from where they live? Did the police not have any follow-up yeah, did she, questions? Did, did she like call them at She's 4 like- o'clock in the morning after the cops left and said, Guys, guys, are you, are you still going to the camp tomorrow? Let yeah, me meet you. Right. Uh, did she have everyone's phone numbers? Like She just had one phone number. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. D- no details. I don't think Montana sleeps. So that, that actually story checks out. If she got Montana's phone number, she'd call at 4 o'clock in the morning. She wakes up with a knife. <laughs> or she she doesn't wake. She just opens her eyes. She pretends to sleep. She she, she pretends to wake up with her knife and is like, yes, yes. Montana speaking. <laughs> uh, so I, I just actually did a little false flashback of my own. The administrator then finds a newspaper in J- Mr. Jangle's cell, uh, or I guess uh, his room, his padded room. That has a newspaper clipping detailing Margaret's plan to reopen Camp Redwood mm-hmm. with her face in the 1970s version and the 1984 version. They're both circled in red. Probably Which looks bad like news. blood. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, at the Swayze's brothers' uh, service station, we get a failed jump scare from a cat. Then Mr. Jangles drops a, uh, a just a fucking classic car on poor Don Swayze and stomps his face into bloody red salsa before stealing his keys. Does does uh, Don Swayze have the keys to the camp, or is Mister Jangles just got to have a jingle? Like like, 
I mean, he seemed like it provided an intense amount of relief when he heard the jingling again. Yeah. And maybe he stole his car. I don't know, because he was also jingling when he was just walking her. I don't know. Maybe he's just like a key master. That's his thing. He's got to have keys. Lots of keys. He's a complicated man, and keys makes is the key to unlocking him. His his, uh, his parents never gave him those plastic keys to play with as a child, and it just really traumatized him. <laughs> yeah, right. Or they're on the mobile, but he just never, just uh, never could reach him, yep. and no one paid attention to him. So, I mean, that hot theory. I like it. <laughs> Thank I'm subscribing. You. Back at the camp, the cancelers settle in to watch the Olympics opening ceremonies, which apparently is broadcasting at 3 o'clock in the morning, yep. uh, while Chet broods about not being part of it. Uh isn't it broad daylight? Like, they're watching this in the hills of California in the same fucking time zone. Okay, we'll, we'll not pay much, too much attention to that. Uh, maybe it's a rebroadcast. Maybe it is. I mean, how long is that? Nope, it's still broad daylight. Yep, yep. Uh, Chet Royd rages out at Ray for joking around about him missing the cut, uh, which leads to Ray getting his hand cut. I don't know how throwing an empty beer can can slice your fucking palm almost to the bone but it did well, i mean he crushed he crushed it and it gives it those sharp edges that's true and i'm assuming like the steroid strength just fucking launched it at him did you watch closely when it impacts his hand uh-uh like i believed it really yeah he hit him hard hmm. i don't know i don't Maybe know it's how half many full times. of beer too it's just it's just the weight it's not it's the sharpness is fine but like the depth of the cut and uh i don't care how sharp it is it's just i think it's the sharpness yeah i think it's the angle that it comes in hmm. it could go it could go sideways and slice deep. Uh, I see. You know what I mean? And plus, you know, he did have that stare, the, the anabolic in, uh, enhanced strength. So mm-hmm. uh, Ch- uh, Ray leaves uh, for the washroom to get his wound cleaned out. And Brooke follows him because she's the good girl and she wants to be a veterinarian assistant. And why not start? Uh, why not start taking care of mammals right yep. now? We got one. He's, Ray- he's wounded. He needs he needs some bandaging. Uh, also, Ray is a medical orderly. So. True, maybe, by maybe their powers yourself. combined. Wonder <laughs> twin powers. Do you think they're going to have a, a relationship? I don't know. They did have that kind of like, there was a little bit of a tenderness to that scene. Yeah. But it could just be her good bedside manner. Yeah. she's. I think she's still uh, nursing this crush on Chet. But, you know, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. Yep. Why not? Uh, meanwhile, Mr. Jingles arrives at camp, and that's that's what he does. He just arrives. Oh, Another new great theory just popped up into my head. Uh Uh-oh. Do you think the reason Chet is so jealous of Trevor is because using steroids gave him a micro penis? And Trevor's got this gigantic penis? He's got the all-natural bod with the all-natural schlong. Isn't that a thing that steroids do? It's one... I I heard it uh, shrinks your testicles. Oh. I don't know if it it actually affects the size of one's member. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I, I don't I don't touch the stuff. If you're a steroid user, please write in and tell us <laughs> about the size of your penis. I was actually born with a congenital uh condition where my testicles are already the size of a snow pea. So I didn't want like in when when is like time to get into sports in high school, I didn't want to take the chance. <laughs> yeah, no. Like Jesus, what do these disappear? Yeah. Uh, Brooke helps him bandage up. He go and then goes to fetch some iodine and further supplies from the infirmary, where she finds the hyper hiker dead and strung up on the door. Uh, Mr. Jangles bursts in, and she flees, uh, screaming in a desperate but extremely clumsy attempt to get away. She falls down like eleven million times. She takes a thick tree branch, like as thick as my thigh, right. to her to face. Her face. Uh, she is covered in mud. Uh, she looks at Arnold Schwarzenegger in Act 3 of The Predator. Uh, she busts in. Uh, of course, she makes it back to the cabin because she's she's the good girl. She's Emma Roberts. 
uh, and this is the first episode. What were you thinking? The whole gang gears up to go look for the killer, but finds nothing, not even in the infirmary. There's no blood. There's no, like, bloody body-shaped uh, hyper-hiker mark on the door. Uh, and everyone's starting to be very skeptical about this girl and her ability to handle a contact high when Margaret shows up to send them all to bed. Margaret suddenly showing up. Mm-hmm. Margaret with a vested interest for nothing to go wrong in the camp <laughs> okay. showing up. So here's my theory. Uh-huh. Okay, for one, where, where did they think happened to the hiker? I would definitely believe Brooke a little bit. I think they just think that he fucked, he boned off, and like they're invested mm-hmm. in him. Like that's good for them, so yeah. they believe it. He'll be back with the police. <laughs> <laughs> Let's when go he, run him down again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't think he's remembering. Like, even if I, there's no way, I it just. They were going down a road like 30, 40 miles an hour, and yeah. they, the way they filmed that is he just like took the f- the van full force of the face. So if he survives, there's no way he remembers it. No. But Okay, so here's the theory. The theory. This has uh, Mr. Jingles escaping from the asylum has a lot of Halloween vibes to it. Mm. Are you familiar with that franchise? Seen any uh, of them? A little bit, a little bit. The uh, Michael Myers, the antagonist in that whole series, he is out and chasing down his sister. Mm. I think... Jamie Lee Curtis is Michael Myers' sister? No. Is that actually... this? this wow. I thought I saw Halloween, but I guess <laughs> maybe not. Or maybe I was just super high because it's something I probably watched with Jim. <laughs> but I think that Margaret is going to turn out to be uh, Mr. Jingle's sister. And I think she's helping him. And I think she's the one with the car and the headlights. And I think she's the one that moved the body and cleaned up. Because Mr. Jingles doesn't seem, un, you know, or not unhinged, hinged enough to get that done. Huh. Huh. And I don't think she's telling the truth about her story of surviving. Or maybe it's not her. Maybe she's not his sister and she's just a fan. Because that happens sometimes. That stockholm thing where yeah, yeah, you yeah. are a victim of someone and then... Right. You get me kind of become obsessed. Right. Interesting That's, theory. Yeah. That someone pointed out, uh, I saw this on Reddit, the connection that the hospital administrator, her garb is very reminiscent of the Jamie Lee Curtis character from Halloween. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely that connection there. Um, so later that evening, the endless night, the phone that was established at the uh, in, as we pulled into the camp as being right there by the entrance starts ringing off the hook. Uh, Brooke wakes up Montana and hilariously find out she sleeps with a switchblade under her, uh, and, and is instantly ready to use it. The, f- the delivery of I have a suspicious nature. Yeah, like, I, she's answered that question Oh before. my god, it's so good. Uh, Brooke wants to investigate since they were told the phone lines are cut, and like, you know, what the fuck? Um, uh, but uh, Margaret does, or I'm sorry, Montana doesn't give a fuck. She goes out there alone, answers a deadline as a night stalker steps out and reveals himself, and then say, 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 say. Do you want to talk about the theories first? Uh, I thought you wanted to do that at the very, very end. I guess I could. It's up to you. You're the producer. Uh, No, I want to talk about this stuff first. Okay. Okay, so I want to talk about this uh, theories that are out there. There's going to be some light theory crafting. Not, uh, yeah. Heavy theory crafting. Theories is too strong. (laughs) Industrial theory crafting. I just want to talk about connections and things like that. So if you think knowing the plot of Halloween and how Jamie Lee Curtis is actually Michael Myers' sister. Well, 
I waited too long to warn you. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if it turns out to be true, you might consider it retrospectively, a, a, retroactively a spoiler. Jesus Christ, you're halfway through the Ford Factory tour before you tell them, hey, we're about to tour to Ford Factory. People get really, really uh, intense about their spoilers mm -hmm. and what they consider them to be. So I have heard, and I don't remember where, I think some deadline article or Reddit or something like that, and I wish I could credit this person appropriately, but someone is thinking that this is going to have a Roanoke or Cabin in the Woods approach as like a meta. Is this someone Ryan Murphy and is the source Ryan Murphy's Twitter feed? <laughs> Because if you don't want American, right. if you don't want American Horror Story <laughs> spoilers, stay the fuck away from this man and in any media outlet that he speaks to. But anyway, continue. <laughs> uh, and also, uh, we know that Ryan Murphy's not or FX Ryan Murphy, whoever they're not doing screeners for this season. Yeah, which we were hoping to get. Yeah, they're not doing that. That would have made our Friday mornings a lot less hectic. But fuck it. So what would you do what, it live? What would you think about that? If we get halfway through the season, it's 1984 themed, and then it turns out that it's a simulation or something like that. I I don't. I, if it's a it's some kind of simulation, or I, I saw someone saying it might be a movie set, I would not. Nah, nah, nah. I don't like that. What if it's the aliens from Asylum that are just controlling everything? Aliens, like some kind of alien game. fuckery, I could get down with. Yeah. Because that's the one thing that's never paid off in a, a, a other season, right? No, and I've been begging for it yeah. every year. Yeah, yes, I think there's been four seasons running. You've been predicting the aliens to come, so maybe, mm -hmm. maybe lucky number nine. <laughs> yes. Also, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that there has been an asylum in this uh, anthology before in the second season, right. Briarcliff. But wasn't that on the? It East? was yeah, it was in Massachusetts. Okay. So is it displaced through time and space? I don't know. But it might not have anything to do with it, except for the fact that the kids from Asylum would be 24 or 5 right now. Mm. You think they're going to show up at some point? No. I think so. I hope so. Something. I wonder why they're being coy because the we drove past a sign and maybe you could see it if you had a really crystal clear uh 1080p uh stream but uh the way we watched it like we tried to freeze frame and see what the name of it is and it looked like it was a name that was like something something asylum mm -hmm. and the first word looked like it was three letters and then the like second Del word was like Mar five to six but uh, you know it's, it's like you're trying to look at it through a window streaked with rain and you had the compression artifacts we couldn't tell but i don't know maybe there is some kind of bomb kind of like the they're, they're either easter egg on the in in the vein of uh, Hawthorne Hospital, or maybe there's actually something there there that we'll find out. Mm -hmm. So the final thing I wanted to mention, and I was reading this article that was like, well, the, all the seasons are connected in some way. Right. And it's been a long-held fan theory that all of the seasons, since there's nine now, are going to represent each a circle of hell. Right. And then links to the fan who posted the theory. Right. And it's none other than Ryan fucking Murphy's <laughs> Instagram account. And I'm not kidding you. Seriously? Yes. So he he's he's I, trafficking in theories on his own product? I don't know, but it's it's bizarre. So let me break this down for you. Okay. Please do. 
Um, Nine Circles of Hell are Limbo, which is Murder House, Gluttony, which is Hotel, Greed, which is Freak Show, Anger. How does any of this check out? I would think Greed would be Hotel. Uh, (laughs) He obviously didn't have this theory when he started writing, Aaron. Oh, okay. (laughs) But even Uh, backfitting it. Come on, man. Right. Wrath is Roanoke. Uh, Heresy is Colt. There's blasphem is a hair. Oh, okay. So, uh, f- what violence, which doesn't have anything there. Fraud, which is asylum. Wait a and second. And then treachery, which is coven. The, those are not the deadly sins that I'm familiar with. I don't think they're not the deadly sins. They're the nine oh, circles sec- of hell. Circles of hell. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Limbo, lust, gluttony, greed, anger, heresy, violence, fraud, treachery. Gotcha. I okay. said wrath. That okay. was my bad. Uh, so everyone's thinking that this season is going to be lust, which does make a lot of sense. He seems to be writing to it now. I mean, I've seen Cabin in the Woods. Like, teenagers having sex brings serial killers. It's just science. It's science. Yeah. It's uh, it's just science. Run from it. Hide from it. Premarital sex f- always finds you. <laughs> I, 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 I've heard we got a little bit of feedback. If you want to send in feedback, you can do so at ahs at baldmove.com, or we always have a forum thread each week. Uh, for people that want to discuss it with themselves amongst their fellow fans. Cecily, what are the fans saying? Our first one is from William, who says, I know, I know the season hasn't even started yet, but I wanted to get a prediction out there right away. I don't think the Friday the 13th thing they're doing is going to be enough to sustain an entire season, even if it's a short one. So I predict they're going to pull Roanoke, and the first half of the season will take place in 1984 with all the stuff we've seen then they will fast forward to 2019 for the second half of the season, making it a sort of sequel to the events in 1984. I can see Ryan Murphy doing something like this as a commentary on sequels and reboots, kind of the way Scream 4 did. This is where I got my theory. <laughs> ah. Uh, William wrote in, uh, I think, a couple weeks ahead of the premiere. Uh-huh. I but see- I'm glad I can credit you, William. Great theory. I I think it's got some legs. I think it would be interesting, because like, there's gotta be at least an episode or two flashback to 1970 to see what the fuck you know how this all started i could even see like a oh sympathetic flashback to vietnam so you can see oh there will be flashbacks oh yeah uh so you can see mr jingle's side of the story um but yeah i mean that was one of my like huh i wonder how long this conceit can last you know how long can you can just do you can just riff off 1980s horror movies before you run out of steam i mean it's never stopped them before uh Mm -hmm. so we'll we'll see We'll see. Eric W. Just got to start with that. I've been listening since you guys covered Freak Show, and I love this podcast. Always happy to see it's back. Is that Seattle, Eric? Uh, Eric W.? No. Okay. Uh, Anyways. I still love you, Eric, (laughs) even though you're not Seattle, Eric. Anyways, the season premiere, I thought it was pretty solid. The new title sequence was A1, loving the 80s theme. It was based on a fan-made title sequence, and honestly, it's one of the best. No shit. That's kind of ballsy. Yeah, like like aping something a fan did because I don't know. I'm sure they got some kind of like release or whatever. Maybe they uh, maybe they actually, the cool thing to, would be to pay him. <laughs> yeah, pay him like a you know some kind of creative uh, wait you know like a what, what does it cost to have someone develop a concept for you? Fifty grand in Hollywood? Give him fifty grand. Oh my god, really? It. I don't know. That's a lot. The completely new cast gave the show a breath of fresh air. Sure, it's no Jessica Lang 
or Sarah Paulson, but it's a much-needed change from going stale. I'm excited for new additions like Angelica Ross. Hopefully she survives her a while, if not one of the final people. This is the... F- yeah, we don't have Evan Peters. We don't have Sarah Paulson. Don't have any moist upper lips. Mm-hmm. No uh, the- Russell Edgington. Yeah. Yet. Yeah, yeah, he might come back. I it This is a most un-AHS-like AHS so far because mm-hmm. of all the, the departures and switch-ups. Billy Lord actually has emotion. Her and Matthew Morrison are great together. I don't want pure comedy from the show, but they deliver it just enough to not annoy me. Uh, Emma Roberts, Cody Fern, Gus Kenworthy are all blah. Darren Horton hasn't had enough screen time other than he loves drugs. Leslie Grossman was annoying, but her character is interesting. Hopefully the backstory makes up for her being annoying. Who's her husband? Why is she a religious nut? Why is every other person on the show a moron? (laughs) Finally, in all caps, John Carroll Lynch. That's all. That's the tweet. <laughs> Fuck Hell it, yeah. send. <laughs> Hell yeah. Bring that, bring that twisty thunder. Uh, I didn't. I do not agree that Emma Roberts, Cody Fern, and Gus Kenworthy were blah. I think Emma Roberts is playing I mean, uh, demure, like you said, and that's the character. Yeah. Look, look at Cody Fern's face when like Montana says, "Fuck it, I'm in," and he gives that like, "Hell yeah!" Like it's so. I mean, they're doing a thing, and the thing is perfect. Yeah. Uh, they're doing exactly what is required and ask. And I actually thought, who's the who's the skier, the the uh, X game skier, Ken uh, Gus Kentworthy, Ken Kenworthy. Yeah, I I actually thought he was surprisingly good because when you said that he was an actual Olympic athlete, I'm like, really? Because mm-hmm. I as like I normally associate professional athletes with a lack of acting ability. I thought he was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, for AHS, right? This isn't the leftovers. <laughs> Uh, it continues, all I want from the season is genuine scares and at the very least a cohesive story. That's probably asking too much, but I think this episode is right on track. Mm. Uh, I haven't been scared by this show since Roanoke. All it seems to do anymore is try to be funny, like the morons in Silicon Valley making sex dolls last season. I'm sick of it. I was reading some theories from Twitter and they were saying Leslie Grossman's character is in on the murders or that she framed Mr. Jingles and wants revenge on the sinners, the new counselors. Other than that, nothing else. But Ryan Murphy will say something soon if he still cares about the show. (laughs) All right. He'll say something soon regardless. Yeah. Uh, Wayne. Just finished watching the first episode and I love it. The campy acting and slasher theme are perfect for AHS. This is the happiest I've been after a season opener since Freak Show. Mm, High Uh, praise. Billy Lord is a scene stealer from the get-go, but Emma Roberts is a plain Jane might not work when she plays a smart-ass bitch, so we'll have to wait and see. I was going to say, she is playing very against her AHS type. Mm-hmm. The only thing I didn't like was seeing Mr. Jingle's face. Leaving his face hidden or not showing it leaves intrigue and mystery, but showing him and his not-scary face blows that immediately, unless it turns out to be a red herring. See? The red herrings are related. Mm. Oh, no, wait. That was the cook. <gasps> Maybe he's related to the cook. <laughs> cook is the mother ah. <laughs> that's how you got the job uh, yeah nepotism is just rampant in the 80s it's a john t says it's a welcome sight when you guys are back for another season because no matter how good or bad the season is you two make it an entertaining ride i mean we've tried to kill oh, the yeah. show like every other show we've been on we, we we've racked up another death what show did we just kill um what show did we just kill we just covered a show and we killed it. I don't remember. Harlots. Oh yeah. We, well, maybe not unconfirmed kill. I I no, I think we killed. <laughs> not a I confirmed think we kill. killed harlots. 
Like, yeah. how how did we kill True Blood Banshee, Harlots, and American Horror Story has survived, like, six seasons of us? I know. It's just, like, it's exactly like Michael Myers. It just keeps coming back, yeah. even though you think it's dead. Yeah. It's got two more seasons after this one. Well, here's the thing. Ryan Murphy, with, now he's doing this Nine Circles of Hell thing. Right. Maybe there's going to be the final season is going to be like the purgatory because that's how Dante's Inferno ends. I thought there's two more seasons left after this one, like 10 and 11. I don't know. Hmm. You got you got purgatory, <laughs> then heaven. Are you telling me I'm going to be doing this for another two years? They're going to they're going to the season 11 is going to be essentially the good place, <laughs> which was the bad. OK, never mind. That doesn't track going to be the real good place we are in the bad place. place we are in the actual bad place i think i just really sp- that's a major good place spoiler uh but you know what you're it's three seasons behind season. get the hell out of here that's your problem yeah bold move policy is two seasons past no, no no spoiler law this season feels like it's right up aaron's wheelhouse and with all the 80s nostalgia that said would you two be okay if this season was nothing more than an entertaining nostalgia filled trope fest because that's something i can definitely get into yeah like this mm-hmm. show needs to be scary or needs to be fun and how, John T. It really struggles when it tries to do both at once. Um, well, it just, just kind of struggles. Like, <laughs> even the good season, even the good seasons, there's like an episode or two that just can't get, you know, can't get out of that wet paper bag to save its life. So, yes. Uh, but that's that's part of the fun. Like, it's, I've never seen it, like, it's crazy. If you go to this this place's subreddit, the American Horror Story subreddit, mm-hmm. there's like 110,000 people. It's a hugely active place to be. Mm-hmm. But all of the memes on the front page are, are essentially, why do we keep doing this to each other? Or <laughs> why, why do we, like every season, it's like we swear that we're never we're out on this show. And then you start seeing the posters. You start seeing the, the teasers on YouTube. And you start seeing Ryan Murphy's Twitter feed activate. And you're like, yeah, I'm back in. <laughs> I assume... Oh, AJ's 1984, though? Okay, yeah. I assume that Ryan Murphy's got to be thinking, having the same relationship. Yeah. Because he... Did he do Claws? Or is that something else? Did he do Claws? Because he's made... I mean, because... He's so prolific. Holy shit. He's done so many other things. I I thought Scream Queens was more popular, and that that just stopped. I don't know what happened to that. I never watched it. I didn't either. He did... He's doing Pose now, which I hear is great. He's doing this uh, uh clause is created by elliot lawrence so we cannot credit murphy for that okay uh is american crime stories and a b- bunch of other things mm-hmm. and i'm just surprised that he's he still even wants to be doing this mm-hmm. i wonder like if he just like shows up in the writer's room and just is like uh Friday the thirteenth and 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 uh Halloween and uh 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 Nightmare on Elm Street, go. And then just walks out. And then he comes back in like three weeks later, uh I I need more members only jackets and he just takes a like maybe that's his level of involvement at this point. Maybe. Which is why he's so excited to share to pose- things on his Twitter because he's more of a fan than a he producer at, at this himself. point. Yeah. He's like, Holy shit, this is dope. Can you believe this theory, guys? Nine circles of hell. What, what? He's oh, like a, it works. He's, it works. <laughs> he's just a super fan at this point. Uh, we are, are we are all Ryan Murphy. Yeah, the only difference is his fan theories get worked into the script. <laughs> uh, and this next piece of feedback is from uh, R M. Hmm. Could be short for Ryan Murphy. Mm. No, I'm just kidding. It's from Michelle. Really. 
into this season so far. Love the 80s of it all, and especially the soundtrack. I'll be creating and linking a Spotify playlist in the forums. She has done that. If you are a Club Bald Move member, check out our forums. Michelle's got, uh, got a little treat for you in there. The opening. Hey-o. Actually, you know what? I'm going to throw it in the show notes. Yeah. Do Thank it. you for doing that, Michelle. It is. It's so funny, though. Like, uh, Emma Roberts fleeing from Mr. Jangles is that, is that, that synth wave is in it. It's really funny. Yeah. I, I just can't see it possibly building any kind of real tension, though. But mm-hmm. We'll see. The opening credits kind of threw me, but I'm so here for it all. Knowing that Aaron doesn't like when AHS strays from the style of the OG credit sequence. Yeah. <laughs> you got a you choice know, ran you, earlier. Yeah, yeah you, got, you got me pinned there, Michelle. <laughs> I wonder how he felt about this season. <laughs> you know exactly how I felt about it. Also, what do we think about the born-again murder survivor, Margaret Booth? I think there's more to her that we will see later. I don't think she's as goody-goody as she's making everyone believe. Word, Michelle, he, she is absolutely up to something. Safe, safe bet. She's Safest a, of bets. Very least in the uh, husband murdering game. Oh, yeah. Which, like, same. Very least in the uh, my camp has got another killer going, I need to cover it up game. Mm-hmm. Those are Those are mortal locks. Lastly, some are speculating that this season might swerve and change direction a la the Roanoke season and crash directly into something else. So, yeah, that seems to be a crash into a hyper hiker. Mm-hmm. Uh, that seems to be a pretty popular theory. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll see what Ryan Murphy's Instagram says. The hyper says. hiker is representative of a linear, coherent plot line, and the fantasy is Ryan Murphy's typewriter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fantasy model uh-huh uh-huh yep it's, 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 it's he's been with him for many many years it's got a sticky shift key but uh he he's still yeah. he never used a shift key no very no. rarely uses punctuation or spaces in between words it's, <laughs> but it's that's more of a word jumble that the right he gives it and the writers just take our and it's like try to you know it's like you can go diagonal <laughs> backwards upside down like and then there's the script yeah, the first four or five words you find, that's going to be the theme. Yeah. Do they relate? Who yeah. knows? Yeah, he gives hints. There's, there's, there's like a hint for the first two or three. So that's all of the feedback that we have. We are really looking forward to the season. I guess I'll let you speak for yourself. I am. I'm really excited. I'm having a lot of fun. I mean, it's good when it's good. It's good when it's bad. I think in between these episodes, maybe I'll try to slip in some classic 80s horror to watch on my own. Uh, apparently this movie Camp Sleepaway has some sort of influence that's one I haven't even watched or anything so maybe that one I don't know all about all that but one thing we do every October for the last two Octobers is the annual spooktacular third annual spooktacular we we have yet to come up with a catchy name for the third spooktacular yeah I need I need to what's a popular like naming convention for third movies because you know first movies are good uh-huh. sequels are uh, usually not the best but then the third movies well, always you, come back strong so yeah like so this like, has got to be strong like a three-time champs called the three peats maybe we can call it the spook pete <laughs> well we'll workshop it a little bit <laughs> <laughs> you should link the spooktaculars in the show notes too so people can kind of get a vibe of what we're going with. so what the spooktaculars essentially we watch a bunch of scary movies and we talk about them yes and we release them in october and we're hoping to do a little bit uh, uh, bigger and better on that this year. Yes. We also um, have a forum thread for suggestions if anyone wants to throw any out there. Um, but we will 
be looking forward to talking to you again next week. Yep. Next Friday, we'll be talking about the second episode of 1984. Uh, send in your feedback to ahs at baldmove.com. You can also, uh, once again, uh, get on the forum action, forums.baldmove.com, and follow us on all social medias at baldmove. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Cecily. Satan, Satan, Satan.